Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode number, let me see here, what are we on now? I believe it's 93, if I'm not mistaken, 93 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thanks so much for uh, for tuning in. I'm really excited about this special guest, first-timer to the show, but before we bring Sharon Taylor in, uh, I have an invitation on behalf of our program. If you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It makes a tremendous difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience. We're at 11,000. We'll be crossing the 12,000 subscriber threshold um, really soon here. And uh, please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops. And you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on the GateWorld.net YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in. I have Sharon Taylor. Amelia Banks from Stargate Hi. Atlantis, all the way from the Pegasus Galaxy. All the way. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am very good. Thank you so much for joining us. This is fantastic to have you. Well, I'm honored to be here. I mean, I almost called you Amelia. Sharon, take us back to your Atlantis audition. Had you auditioned for Stargate before Banks? Uh, tell us about about this this process of getting involved with this show that continues to grow its fandom after years and years. Yes, it's actually kind of a funny story because I first auditioned to play the um, replicator technician, and all the producers were in the room. Um, both both Martins. Uh, there was a whole <laughs> bunch of people in the room. There was a whole bunch of people in the room, and then I got the part as the technician, and it was it was a small part, and um, uh, and and then I got a call like a couple months like a couple months later, same season that they're shooting, and they said, oh, they want you back on the show, and so back in those days, scripts did not get emailed to you; they get dropped off at your house, right. like they had a courier come drop it off at your house, so. The courier comes and drops it off at my house with the new script, which, you know, I think is going to be the replicator technician again. And it says um, female technician, Amelia Banks on the starship, like on um, on the uh, Atlantis. And then I was like, oh, they made a mistake because I'm a replicator. I'm not human. Like from the return once the replicators come back to Atlantis and take over. Well, that's what I thought. Maybe that's what was happening or something, right? Okay. And then so I, so I, uh, I contacted my agent and I said, "Oh, they sent me the wrong thing. Like, I'm not. Right. This is not the character I played before." And so he he looked into it and he said, 
uh, nope, it's you. And uh, he's like, and you're the first actor to ever do that. Most actors would like quietly just take it and take the job and be like, ha ha, show up at work. <laughs> take the money. <laughs> but I was like, no, no, you have the wrong person. And they're like, no, we have the right person. So then they brought me back. And then uh, when I was there, I said to Joe Mawazi, I said, well, I'm, I'm like a replicator. So now I'm a human. How does that work? And then he said, well, the replica, we like what you did. And then Correct. the replicators, yeah, the replicators, uh, you know, can replicate any human form. So maybe that particular replicator Person. was Amelia Banks. Yeah, that's entirely possible. You know, that's that that makes a lot of sense. So it, that's the thing with science fiction. They can do anything that they want as long as they, you know, hang a lantern on it and it makes some kind of sense, you know. And yeah. it turned into uh what was it? A, a two-year gig for you that lasted all the way into the show. You are in that last yeah. major shot uh overlooking San Francisco Bay. In, in season five, tell us about working with this troupe of actors. I mean, Jason Momoa, for crying out loud. Robert Picardo. I mean, legends in the field. Legends. Legends. I'm so grateful to have worked with those actors. I had such a great working relationship with them. And then I actually just worked with Jason again recently on okay. CD. Okay. So, I'm, so I've managed to still kind of stay friends with people. And last week, um, I just worked with Jewel State again on her new show. Uh, so we're, we're working together again. And then actually, um, yeah, I have some fun. Like, it's just so much fun to see everybody still because I get to still bump into some of the, the actors, in Man the ones that live in Vancouver. Exactly right. Tell yeah. us about how you got into this industry. How far does it go back for you? How, how, how old were you when you knew that this is what you wanted to do? So it goes back to when I was a teenager. I was in all the school plays and then, you know, went to university and got my degree in theater. And then right after theater, I started a theater group with my friends and we did professional shows all over Vancouver. And then eventually you realize you don't really make a lot of money doing theater. So then got an agent, going to auditions and just slowly worked myself up from there. And here I am. <laughs> wow. Is there uh, any particular role that really stands out to you as one that challenged you in ways that you didn't really expect or, um, you know, presented an opportunity to you that, that you didn't anticipate? Actually, um, my, my favorite role that I have played is uh, the character of Rose on Bad Blood, which is a, a Netflix series. Okay. And it's a Canadian show about the Canadian mafia. And I didn't know much about the Canadian mafia at the time. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know there was a Canadian mafia. But hey? in, yeah, right. Jeez. In the, uh, in the 80s and 90s, like, well, I guess it even started before that, a bunch of the original New York mafia, they came up that wow. side uh -huh. of continent and they came into montreal and and they were running their um their drugs and booze all through the ports in montreal so there's like all these incredible true stories of the mafia in montreal and then so i got cast as um kim coates's girlfriend on the show and she's also a drug runner and so it was such an interesting character for me because she was good but she was bad doing bad things because she's you know 
selling cocaine and all this yeah. stuff, but she's still a good person. So it was a complex, awesome character who got to do everything. I got to fall in love. I got to shoot guns. I got to do everything. Wow. Wow. That's, and how, when you're exploring some of these, um, these other characters, how often do you feel like you're able to employ a part of yourself or is, is a part of yourself always there? That's a really good question. And because, you know, there's actors like Julia Roberts who um, she basically plays herself and she just plays a piece of herself right. with every character. But I mean, she can win awards and Oscars and Golden Globes doing that. Right. Um, not everyone can get away with that. So uh, but for myself, this is also I recently worked with Vincent D'Onofrio and he's like such an incredible actor and like he's an icon for um, actors of our generation. Mm. And his advice to the actors that we were all working with, he's like, the scenes come from your tummy. Like it comes, the emotion comes from deep inside you. So you don't necessarily, you're not putting on a feeling. It has to come from inside you. So to answer your question, I do think that it's a little bit of you. So for myself, I think it's a little bit of myself in every character. And the reason why Amelia Banks works so well for me, because it was my, one of my first acting gigs mm-hmm. ever. And um, Amelia Banks is like very like by the book and wants to do a good job and like opening the Stargate and very technical about things. Uh-huh. And um, that's how I felt. Cause I was like, this is my first day. It's my first thing. I want to press all the right buttons on the thing, even though they're just stickers, There's nothing there, but stickers. But I'm like, that sticker means this. I've decided Correct. in my head that, that sticker means that. And I'm like, so I was essentially the same person <laughs> for that character. <laughs> did you lean on Gary Jones or Chuck Campbell at all? I did. I asked both of them. I said, what do you guys do? Because I want to do the same. So right. like, what do you, yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to do something different. That right. What sense. works? Yeah. What works and what are you doing? Yeah. And so that's basically the advice they gave me too. They're like, oh, you just have to like decide in your head what those things mean and just push the just push the buttons with commitment. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I push can do them that. With commitment. Yeah. Oh, that's solid. Well, you know, I mean, it is a, there are, there are, it, it, to be frank, there are expository characters. There, there are people who are there to, to service um, the story and make the story move forward. You know, the, the gate has to be run by someone. It has to be maintained by someone. And th- those people have all their own lives. We just got off the, hor- off, the, off the Zoom chat with Gary Jones. You know, for 10 years, that's all he was. All he was was he opened the iris, he closed the iris, turned the Stargate on and off, and ordered parts. But at the same time, that's not all that he did because there was a whole life to this character outside of that that was built around his role – because he was there all the time and would have known all the people who would have who would have gone through that thing, you know? Right. And, and like he would have seen them come back from their right. missions all injured and broken and hurt. And like they would have seen them falling in love or not falling in love. Like so he's still a part of it. And correct. And and same with all the all those secondary I mean, we are essentially secondary characters mm-hmm. within the plot. So you facilitate um, the story. That's right. We facilitate the story, but at the same time, they know all the other characters and what's mm-hmm. going on. So it does become more of a cohesive team. 
But the cool thing about Amelia was that she was so close at the end of the finale to like having more to her character. Did season... So I was like, if there was a season six, like that's Yeah. You know, that has to piss you off. Right? I was... I kind of asked a couple of the producers about that too. I was like, what was like going to happen in the season six? And they were like, yeah, you were going to be in it a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we clearly (laughs) see where things are going there because... You know, there there were a couple of live love triangles throughout the the center of the show that begin to really get ironed out near the end of that there. And people people find um certain characters found their places and they found who to fight for. You know? I mean, that's a great uh, your that shining moment uh with with you and Jason in the prodigal. 5 years of kickboxing. <laughs> you know? Right? She can and then kick he's some like, butt. He's looking at her like, "What the fuck?" He's I didn't know you could No, you're okay. What? It's like, he's I like, didn't know you fought. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you can, you can fight. Yeah. I just watched you push buttons for the last four years. Well, that's my day shit. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs to get a, like a workout and vent. Right. right? Teresa, Teresa MC asked, do you kickbox for real? Yeah, I do. And that's actually why they wrote that into the character. Because one day, you know, after pushing buttons for multiple episodes, <laughs> Again, Joe Malazzi was like, what do you do for fun? Right. And I said, oh, I have my second degree black belt. And I like, you know, I train all the time. I'm usually at the martial arts school. And uh, and then he was like, oh, interesting. And then literally the very next episode. He I went was upstairs. Yeah, yeah. And got to work. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bam Bam pretty well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What an awesome human being. What is it like uh, uh, working with him on on stunts and fights? Well, what's really cool about him is that uh, he's a fighter himself. Correct. So he so he's he's very talented physically. And then but he doesn't like take it. So he obviously safety is important, but he doesn't um, he doesn't get upset. He'll just be like, don't do it again. Nope. Do it again. Right. Do it again. And so he's very matter of fact. And I, and I, but he can also crack jokes. So you, you really like him for that. And actually, what I think is really cool is that, um, you know, he went from being a stunt, like a stunt man and then a stunt coordinator on Stargate Atlantis. And then now I'm sure you know he's a director. And yes. He's like directing all these like Superman and Lois and yes, right. Like huge shows. There it's is so cool when you see someone make that, you Correct. Know, that transition. And be so successful at it. Well, it shows that um, that industry is very good at promoting from within up there. And the, it, recognizing the strengths of the people who have started off, you know, smaller, uh, lower on the totem pole or higher, depending on which, which way it goes. Yeah. Uh, and have advanced in their, their training and their process. And you can lean on them for all kinds of things several years in, you know, because it's, it's an industry that, that really promotes its talent and promotes growth and learning. Yes, that, that is exactly true. And that's a testament to the Vancouver film industry. We are, um, it's funny. There's a lot, there's a big difference between the film industry in Canada on the East coast and as on the West coast, on the East coast, they tend to do a lot of um, more Canadian projects and create some more of their own work. But in Vancouver, we are more of a service industry for the American projects. Yes. So when the American projects come up here, 
we all the um, the local it's the same local actors that generally like get hired and work together and so I've worked with so many people multiple times like I'll be like oh here's so and so here's so and so like we've worked together there's on a lots shorthand of yeah yeah Absolutely. and plus like we all go to the same parties so it's like you see everybody <laughs> yeah absolutely what was um it like working with uh the the creative team like you you indicated like joseph malazzi you know was was one to to throw in uh some extra points uh for 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 banks because she wanted he wanted to incorporate uh that realism what was it like working with the the entire creative team on atlantis uh compared to other projects and uh, other shows that you've worked on up there we're talking about a a franchise uh team that that did 17 seasons before they wrapped that's a large chunk of time that's a lot of familiarity with people and that's you know a lot of i would imagine fairly com- a lot of comfortability at the same time as doing the work and getting it done yeah i mean essentially that like when i mean when i got involved like you said it's already been up and running for a very many mm-hmm. years because a lot of the people from atlantis were also like from sg1 mm-hmm. you know come over and then um so not only are they kind of like a family but it's like a well-oiled machine you know they're not they're not making silly mistakes or having to redo things because they've done this a million times and they know how to fix it and they know how to take care of business. So it's a, it was, is a very efficient, efficient way of working. It's a whole process. And, you know, there's, I would imagine there's, there's a lot of opportunity for levity as well, you know, making sure that you get the the job done, but also you have to have a good time, you know, that is long days. Yeah, long days. And then so that's what I mean, when there is that efficiency, the people are less stressed out. So you can like crack jokes and people are kind of like when you're when they're setting up the the lights and the camera shot, you know, people can can laugh a bit and hang out. But whereas there's other sets that I've been on, where like, everybody is so stressed out, and they're trying to get the shot, and this isn't working, and they can't set up this light. And so it's like, you don't dare crack a joke or joke around or laugh. Like everyone's like, silent just waiting is it a herd it mentality was, from the director down um yeah or the leads like the director the director sets the tone okay. for sure but so does the number one and the number two and the number three like the lead actors like okay. the like that's what they're called like the number one actor the number two actor like right on the call sheet what, yeah um, thank you thank you on the <laughs> yeah. call sheet yeah wow. so those are the those are the people that really set the tone too. So when you, when they're, when those performers are relaxed and the directors relaxed and like everybody's just, yeah, get the job done, but we can have fun while we're doing it. But if it's not, you know, part of me would be like, part of me would be like, I don't care what they pay me for. If, if I have to go through that again, you know, with that configuration of people, Oh, I don't know, Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have actually like when I was, before Stargate, I had done like a couple like independent films and short short films, you know, that just to you know just to get experience, and it, they were a disaster. Like it was just horrible, and I'm like, people are upset and fighting and stressed out. And oh gosh, nobody's getting nobody's getting paid because they were all volunteering to try to get stuff done, and it was just horrible. And I was like, I'd come from theater, and I was, which is also very like a real sense of camaraderie and mm-hmm. fun a lot of the time. You're in the and trenches. This was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, everybody's miserable here. I'm like, yeah. maybe I don't want to be in the film industry. <laughs> but Am I getting a sign, God? Yeah, Jeez. But then, yay, and then yay, they sent, the universe sent me 
the Stargate universe <laughs> and then um, and then got on that show. And then I was like, oh, actually, this is actually kind of fun. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What um, kinds of projects do you want to do that you haven't had a chance to tackle yet? More drama, more comedic? You know, yeah, more more drama. Okay, um, it's really uh, it's really interesting that right now I'm nominated for best actress in a comedy for um, for this TV show called Jan, which is on Hulu. How do I States. not know about this? And I play. Um, it's about a it's about a Canadian singer named who's a real person named Jan Arden who had a bunch of hits in the '90s, and then so it's like a fictional. Um, take on her life as she's like a aging pop star who's like trying to come back at it and it's really funny and goofy and i play her girlfriend in that so it's actually like and we always break up and we get back together and we break up and we fight and we have to go to therapy and all these things so so it's 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 over the top but it's still really fun and then i couldn't even believe i got the part because i'm usually very serious character and I'm usually arresting people or murdering people on TV. And then now I'm like, now I'm like the lead girl's partner and I'm like making people laugh. So, and I'm actually nominated for an award. Wow. <laughs> well, congratulations. Now she is based on a real person. The person that you're playing is, she, was she her real girlfriend or is she an abstract? It's an as fictional okay. character just to like make the plot Got extra it. funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because wow. the her the main character is trying to like reboot her '90s pop career, but at the same time, <laughs> like you know, she's a lot older now. So, <laughs> so yeah. What is yeah. it about um, professionals in a lot of these industries who find themselves uh, being forced to reinvent who they are? And does it give you an opportunity as performers to try and tackle another layer of your art in a way that you didn't when you were younger? Does it also force you to reassess a part of yourself and your own approach when you're when you're going on to set and saying, you know what, I was doing it this way five years ago. I want to try something else now. And maybe they'll maybe the response will be different. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. uh, because I used to take acting because I um, have always done martial arts and then I ended up being a martial arts instructor for a long time. There's a rigidness to that and there's yes. a rigidness to being a teacher. And so it was always like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And uh, so I played lots of military characters, like even Feyora, when who I played on Smallville was very, you know, like strong by the book, you know, following orders. And so a lot of that, I think also just, crept in from my martial arts background but then I took these acting classes and then the acting teacher he'd be like do you just want to play like an outer space warrior your whole life is that all you want to do he's like okay queen of outer space you know he's like don't you want to try something different and I'm like oh he would like oh make me so like picking at me and yeah. then I was like no okay he's like come on just be more vulnerable he's like even tough people are vulnerable you can't just be tough right. all the time yeah and then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I I tried to layer that vulnerability in with some of my tough characters. And I think Bad Blood is the first time I actually accomplished it efficiently. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go yeah. check this thing out now. So it is, this was the, this is what's, is this the one that, that's on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. And it's one season? 
it's two seasons, two but seasons. I'm I'm a series regular in the second season. All right, got it. Yeah, will definitely hook myself up here. A sprawling crime drama. Well, yes, you'll you'll learn a lot about the Canadian mafia, the Rizzuto yeah. family. Yeah, because that's all true, and that's why it's so bananas. Because when I first auditioned for season two, I was like, "What is this?" And yeah. I start googling it and looking it up, and I'm like holy crap, these are all real people. Yeah. And then I watched the first season and they are like ruthless. They're like killing, they're shooting each other in restaurants and they're just like, they're they're like assassins, murderers. And I'm like, this really happened in Montreal. Like they were walking into restaurants and blowing each other's brains out. It was it was an insane time in back in Montreal, back in, the, back in those, those days. Part of me would be a little bit nervous because if these people were real... They potentially would have surviving family members. And if we dealt with that. I would think so. We, we had to change the name of the show. Well, you know how when you're shooting, they list, you know, with the little neon sign saying with the name, you know what yeah. I mean? On the on the telephone poles or on, yeah. like on the roads to lead directions to the set. Like at first it was bad blood, but then they would get we would get threats so then they had to change the name and so they kept having to choose all these fake names these people are not screwing around no because one time um the production showed up to shoot a scene and there was a bunch of guys there and they're like you're not filming here today and everybody was like what it's like oh yeah not filming here today okay guess we gotta find a new place to film yeah it's real it's real wow did you ever yourself feel like you know, I, I'm putting myself out there for for this drama, um, reflecting a a, a a true crime syndicate family, made perhaps in the past, but still, was there ever like um, a fear for your own safety? Well, I never did, though. I never did feel worried. I, I was playing a fictional character, but because right. um, by the second season, they had to add in a bit of fiction yep. just because um, there weren't very many female characters are there weren't very many females involved in in that whole true mafia story so in order to include more female characters they had to make them fictional okay so So, and thus making it less like a group of people who would have a problem with what you were okay yeah so i think they had less problems with season two uh season one they definitely yeah people had some problems but like um my mom was my mom was worried my mom was scared she was like oh no i don't like this (laughs) mom i can take care of myself they keep changing the name. They don't know it's us. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The things that you guys have to deal with sometimes, like, wow. To get to get a story across, it's uh, there There are some um, stories that have a harder time being told than others. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life-sucking aliens from the Pegasus Galaxy are not going to be not beating Go. down your door saying, you know. That's right. Go at it. Yeah. We have uh, – we, we, we dislike your portrayal. yes that was not an accurate portrayal of that particular (laughs) you do it like this not like so that's funny burned bacchus i wanted to know picking up from his uh, so we had we had bam bam on uh, earlier this year how is it working with a stunt fight choreographer if you yourself have martial arts experience is it are, are are they willing to let you incorporate some of your own um uh experience or do you approach uh, a new scene and a new fight with a blank slate and just absorb what they're giving you 
so I've had to do, um, so on Stargate Atlantis, that was my very first fight scene ever. Okay. And then since then I've actually been, been, I've done a lot. Um, but because, and it's different kind of with every show you work on. Sometimes I show up and they've already got it choreographed in I their see. head. They're like, this is what I want you to do. This, got it. This, and this, you do this, it. And this. Yeah. But with Bam Bam, uh, and also it was my very first time and he knew that, uh, so we met beforehand and he said, show me what you can do. Like, just so I know what I'm working with, like, show me what you can do. So we met and I just showed him that I like to, I'm a kick. I was a kicker back then. I like to <laughs> kick and everything. And so he's like, all right, all right, this is good. We're, we're going to do the kicks. And then, <laughs> so we had another rehearsal and Paul Lazenby played the hybrid that yes. Jason and I fight. And then Paul's like a real fighter in real life too. And he's like a very strong man. And so uh, when we were rehearsing, he's like, you can just really kick me. You can just like kick me if you want, kick me. And I like, I'm kind of laughing because he's selling it. Like I'm really kicking him, but I'm actually more like a fly, like beep, beep on him because he's so like, he's so <laughs> tough. But like, he's like, no, really kick me. I'm like, I am kicking you. <laughs> wow. He's a wall. He's a wall. He's a wall. Jeez. So yeah. So we did that and then, and then it, and then it turned out great. And it was funny because I, one of my best friends, she worked in the production office for oh. and she was like, she was like, Oh, did they get a man to double you? And I was like, that's not a man. I'm like, that's me. They didn't freaking cut away anything. I'm like, that's all me. She's yeah. Like, you can oh. sell it to you. She's like, Oh, I thought maybe it was a man. It was so good. I was like, that is, Sexist. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Go watch it again. Pause it on my face. So, there you go. Just pulling your leg. Has to be. Yeah. I just rewatched yeah, yeah. it. I'm like, there's nowhere. It, it can't be anyone else. <laughs> no, it's just me. It's just me. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, let's see here. So Redux wanted to know, uh, were there any indications, and we touched on it a little bit, for what your plans may have been for the future of the show in season six? There was a lot of new feel, uh, female blood in that, in that last season. Um, you know, we had a, an all-female team at one point, you know, that we were probably going to see some kind of a return for. I think that there would have been definitely some stuff for you to chew on with Momoa, you know, being a yeah, part of I, his I, inner circle then. From what I... Yes, from what I understood, that was where it was going to go. And then, so right when the, um, after the series finale, they had right away talked about going into a movie. Correct, Extinction. And, yeah, so right away they talked about going into a movie. And then I was told that I was in the, that my character was in the movie <sighs> too. So. so I was like, oh, darn Jeez. it. Yeah, you know, not everything pans out the way that we want it to. But, you know, have you uh, heard about uh, uh, Amazon's acquisition of MGM? I did. Yes, I have been reading some of those things on Twitter that people have been posting, and I'm right? like, oh, "This is really interesting." Yes, it is. Yeah, and all of us are campaigning. Please, you know, do not erase the the current continuity that exists, and do something in the Brad Wright universe. Yeah, know? yeah. I did actually read an article saying that like Michael Shanks and Amanda Tapping have already been approached. Did yes. I don't know if you read that same article. Yes. Yeah. So they. So I don't know what that means. What's but... happened? Everyone is saying, you know, that the the rumor. A lot of um, the the news websites that are just jumping on anything to write are saying, uh, a a new um, Stargate. The fourth one is in pre production, and that it's going to involve Amanda Tapping and and Michael Chanks. And all that's happened that is publicly available is that is that Brad Wright 
has asked them, would you be interested in coming back for another project? And they've both said, yes, we will be interested. And, and Ben Browder as well. And so, but that's all that means, you know, there, could there be more? Yes. But is, is that public knowledge? No, it's not. And quite possibly there may be nothing else other than yes, we're interested. So I want to get that out there to everyone who's listening that we are just, um, that, that they're just getting the feelers out there for moving forward, you know? So that's oh, what that yeah. is. So. Yeah, they have to write the scripts, so they got right, to know exactly. what they, have, to start, they have available yeah, who they to have. work with. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, who they can pepper in or right. or make a story or build a story around. Yeah. So I am I am hopeful that an SG four will be a continuation of the existing mythology, and I'm really hopeful that it'll bring in lovely faces like yourself. You know, would uh, would you be game for an SG four uh, reappearance? Oh my god, of course, yeah, such fun people, and it's like a, such a beloved franchise too, right? You can do anything with a Stargate. You can go anywhere. You can do everything. You can have like a man, right. a man in the high castle vibe, like right. you know, alternate you Earth or yeah, alternate episodes, alternate like oh yeah, alternate realities and dimensions and um, everything. Yeah, everything, time, eras, what's, planets. What's your favorite kind of entertainment to watch? Do you watch TV? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I actually watch a lot of TV, <laughs> like more than probably I should admit, but I'm like. The beginning of the pandemic, that's oh, all that's I did true. for like probably I just like watched so much. And even before that, I'm a big TV person. I I I reckon that if it's my industry and my job, yeah. I, I kind of need to know what's out there. And sometimes I receive an audition and I look at it and I go, Oh, this is, they stole this idea from this show. Like mm-hmm. I know this exactly what this is. I know how to change it and make it better, or or I know how to work with this. So because I'm one of the only people that I know that I have, I have cable, I have all the channels, you know, I have Crave, I have Amazon, I have Netflix, like I watch everything. Sharon, why <laughs> is that? Why are you one of one of the only people? Why is it so many actors stay away from it? Is it they don't have time or is it that they, it's just not their thing? I don't know. Maybe they're not. Um, well, this is going to sound really like mean, but I think most actors are actors for themselves not because they want to tell a story. And for me, the storytelling part is my favorite part. I love stories. My favorite TV shows growing up were Quantum Leap and shows like that where they could think the story, like the, the main characters had a story character arc, but at the same time, like they could still like jump into all these other stories and you still like, as an audience, you still feel so satisfied, right? Because, um, and, I mean, well, actually, even a lot of the things out now, they're all like, you know, there's there's so much great. So story. much is so Beautiful good. Story it's shows. great that you bring mm-hmm. up Quantum Leap, though, because it was a great mm-hmm. combination of historic historical science fiction, you know, yeah, with a, with a, with a pair of actors that I mean, you just people just loved to watch. And talk about yeah. another ending that was like that that brings tears to your eyes. It certainly does me when yeah. I go back and watch it. Um, I mean, they need to do a remake of that. Show. I would love to. I, there was on. I've, there was talks on the table for years about like Sam's daughter. You know. Try, yeah, I did read something. Yeah, I read something about that too, and I was like, oh. That would have been good. That's all, but that's ultimately what Stargate is. Yeah. You know, able of achieving the same idea. You know, mm-hmm. like it's another kind yeah. of portal to storytelling. Yes. You know. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even on Star Trek, when you go like the holodeck was part of my favorite part you know, growing up when they would go into the holodeck too. <laughs> they could do anything, you know, they can make they a could forest landscape or a room full of Klingons with paint sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
Uh, Sharon, this yeah. is this has been uh, terrific, absolutely terrific having you. And I'm, I'm I apologize it's taken it's taken so long uh, to bring you in, but you know I am I am uh, uh, privileged to have you, and I, I am thrilled with um, the news of of your work with Bad Blood. I'm going to go and check it out now. Uh, and I encourage all my other, uh, all my listeners to do the same on Netflix. Is there anything else that you want us to, to, to keep eyes open for in the near future? Uh, no, not right now. I've got lots of, I've actually got lots of like smaller recurring parts on a bunch of different shows, okay. but, but gotta pay the bills. The one I'm most proud of. Yeah. And then there's Dan. If you want like a goofy comedy, like about a, like a middle-aged woman, okay. like it's, it's right up there too. It's pretty funny. It's on Hulu. Jan is on, mm-hmm. is on Hulu. All yeah. right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm looking at all your memorabilia. Is that mostly Stargate memorabilia? Yeah, so you've got this guy here, the the Wraith. So we just did the Stargate Atlantis uh, cast reunion. Uh, We shot that for uh, San Diego Comic-Con at home. So that's going to be premiering in late July. And the, the, my viewers were like, well, I've I've had a universe carrot statue in the room here. And everyone's like, well, you need to bring the, um, the Wraith back in. So I've got, I have one statue from each show. So, and then of course we got, thank you. And then of course we got Atlantis over here. That is a fan made uh, 3d printed Atlantis for a guy from a 3d tech dot pro. Just Brilliant fan stuff out there is just absolutely insane and destiny and everything but most of its props from the show i yeah when i've been to a couple of the um conventions specifically the chicago one yes some people made some incredible things like talents that they built yeah replicas and things it's just crazy how you guys have inspired us to create you know to create physical stuff like this to create programming like dial the gate you know it's it's a gift that just keeps on giving and giving you never know uh what's going to come out of it next and i think it's one of the reasons why stargate will just never never die as long as there are people uh, families who continue to watch it with new generations that are born you know every decade and a half it's not going anywhere i love that i love that and that's like you said it it, it, like inspires creativity yeah you know again because we all like good stories Right. Like all that stuff behind you reminds me of a funny story when uh, last year before the pandemic, Jewel and Jewel State and I yes. we did a, a short film together. Oh, and it was and it was uh, airing in Seattle at a film festival. And so her and I drove down to Seattle together. And uh, the day before we were like, oh, what should we do? Like, oh, and I'm, we wanted to go to the Seattle Museum of Pop Culture. Yes. And yes. it's so cool in there. They have like memorabilia from Wizard they of have Oz. Everything. Like, oh, everything. Everything. It's so cool. And so we walked into this one room and it's got like a wall of guns, like guns, 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 like, like laser guns, old fashioned guns, like right. guns from all different TV shows. And I'm staring at it and I go, hey, I recognize that gun. And she's like, we're looking at it and we're like, it's a Stargate Atlantis gun. And so it was so funny that we're both, I was there with her and we're both staring at the Stargate Atlantis gun on this wall. Can you give me five seconds? Yeah. Hang on just a second here. I'll show everyone something too. You, you should recognize it as well. Okay. I can't walk away and continue to listen to you, but... Uh, you were a, you had indicated that you were a, um, a a replicator first. That's right. Do you recognize this? 
<laughs> well, I never shot any guns because I was a technician, but like that's definitely like a that's definitely a sci-fi gun. So this, this these were the Asurin replicator uh, weapons, and um, so these what your race carried around, and so you got the the ancient here the 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 craftsmanship of these things is absolutely crazy. This thing is several pounds. It's CNC'd metal. For, I think I think they they do it with water, and the the amount of um, of production manufacturing that goes into creating <laughs> something like this is insane. You know, it comes out of James C. D. Robbins' head and into um, into into physical, willing it into physical right. reality. The, the practicality of it is impressive. It's just nuts. And as performers. I can't imagine the actors getting these things into their hands and not feeling like, I'm sorry, but I own the universe. I mean, I really do. You know, I mean, you can, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. So that's right. The, the, go pro- ahead. The production. Make my universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> exactly. Sharon, this has been wonderful having you on and I appreciate uh, you, you, uh, sharing parts of yourself and we're going to, uh, look into, I'm going to look into Jan and bad blood and, and go forward from there. And I wish you all the success in the world as we move out of this pandemic and back into real life. Yes. Thank you. Same to you. Thank Thank you you. for taking the time to talk today. Thank you for taking the time to come on. And, uh, (laughs) you know what, uh, conventions all these things we're going to start getting back together i'd love i i hope you're i hope you can do GateCon uh next year and uh i hope so too all right we'll uh we'll see about uh, crossing paths once again thanks david thank you yeah. so much sharon you take Bye care of now. yourself and uh i'll i'll email you later okay <laughs> thanks so much Bye. for your time be well you too Sharon Taylor, Amelia Banks from Stargate Atlantis. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is David Reed, and you're watching Dial the Gates. I do have some artwork for Atlantis that I came across. I thought this was so cool. Just absolutely blew me away. Nebulon, um, Nebulon's work is just just outrageous, some of the, the quality of this stuff. Um, in terms of like the ideas and everything else, I, I love I love their style. And let me pull this up here. So this is Stargate Atlantis football by Nebulon. I wanted more stuff about the planet Atlantis is on, but they mostly just stay indoors. They say they don't really associate the characters with the city as much. Granted, a shot like this would probably take some special effects. I'm sure John would get Taylor and Ronan to learn how to play. The other two who are playing are Cadman and Lauren, because they seem sporty enough to want to join. And in the back is Zelenka with his football, quote-unquote. And I thought hockey would be another one they'd love to play on the landing pier. But Rodney doesn't seem like he'd want to step outdoors more than he has to. So it's the Canadian technician who's ready with the blades and the stick. All right. And Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you tuning in. But if you want to support the show, consider buying some of our uh, themed swag. We're now offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages in a variety of sizes and colors at Redbubble. You can uh, check out with your PayPal or Amazon account, and then uh, we just move uh, with your PayPal or Amazon account and visit Dial the Gate redbubble.com for more information about that and thanks so much for your support i think i did have a question for me here Teresa mc are you moving because you need to get more space for your collection 
<laughs> All right. So in the last episode, I announced that I was moving houses. Uh, I mean, that's that is on the list as as a as a fair reason. I'm uh, I'm, I'm yeah, but it's like number ten. Uh, I'm I am planning on moving to a, to a bigger place. There is there is a a rather large Stargate segment from the Destiny Gate Room that I have owned for the past two years, but it has been in storage in a lockup uh, in Culver City or somewhere like that. So I am next week going out and getting that, and we'll be making that as part of the collection in the Midwest when I move out there. I don't know if it will be featured in the shot uh, behind me for for my new set, but uh, but we will see. Um, looking for ideas to like kind of upgrade the set. I may go with the latter uh, shelves again. May not. I'm not entirely sure. So looking for some ideas there. I'm sure there's someone online who you know we make a business in you know in helping you design your perfect YouTube set or whatever. So that's the thing that's going on for me. So yes, I am moving, um, and so we will be uh, having one more live show. Next week is going to be pre-recorded uh, because I have to go out of town to get some stuff. So next, uh, let me see here. Is this the 13th? Next Sunday, June 13th at 12 noon, Valerie Halverson, costume designer for SG-1 Seasons 9 and 10, Atlanta Seasons 4 and 5, and SGU, will be uh, joining us in a pre-recorded interview. We talked for about an hour and a half. Fantastic discussion. Countless drawings of hers, so uh, pre-production drawings and then uh, production uh, assets, the co- photos of the costumes themselves uh, to share with you guys. So you see a lot of A-B comparisons. It's really cool. And Valerie is just one of my favorite people. I worked with her directly when uh, PropWorks went out and got uh, lovely pieces like this. So there's um, she has a lot of stories to tell. And a couple of confessions, a couple of interesting confessions as well, where she was designing something and... They did not want it that way, and um, so it was a really fascinating discussion with her. Then at 2 p.m. on the 13th, Pacific Time, 2 p.m., Stargate Novelists panel. Sally Malcolm brings together uh, several of the Stargate novelists that have been responsible uh, for creating a lot of the Fandemonium content over the past 15, 16, 17 years. Sally Malcolm and I are joined by Joe Graham. Amy Griswold, Laura Harper, Melissa Scott, and Susanna Sinard. And you can check out their body of work over at StargateNovels.com and just click on Bookshop and see their content. A big chunk of the discussion is the Stargate Atlantis Legacy Series. According to Fandemonium's timeline, what happened after uh, Atlantis Season 5? And we had a long discussion about this, and it was fascinating. So if you're a fan of Atlantis in particular, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, and all the authors talk about uh, their books and give pitches for why you should go out and grab them and, and the, the kind of the, the impetus for each of their stories and what's, you know, what really make, made them tick. Currently scheduled for the 19th of June is our last live show, which will be a Stargate trivia program at 11 a.m. So I'm currently getting people together uh, for that. If you think that you have the chops to join us, I am considering people uh, uh, joining us for this particular program. If you're in the audience and you know your Stargate content backwards and forwards and think you would be an interesting face on the show, if you'd like me to consider you joining us for our group, write a I can't guarantee anything, but you can write me at um, dialthegateshow at gmail.com and see about uh, getting on. If you're willing to video chat with me and introduce yourself, we may be able to pull something off. But that's currently scheduled for the 19th of June 
uh, and that's going to be a Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we've also scheduled. We've also recorded Joseph Malazzi Part Nine, Atlanta Season One. We covered that, and that will be airing the twelve, the twenty seventh of June at twelve p.m. Pacific time. So there's a lot of content before uh, we run out of runway and I take off. Um, and of course, we've already recorded episode one hundred, the Stargate Atlantis cast reunion. We brought together Robert Picardo, uh, uh, Rainbow Sun Franks, David Hewlett, David Nickel. Uh, we had Paul McGillian and Tori Higginson and Rachel Luttrell uh, recorded for San Diego Comic-Con at home. And that's going to be debuting the weekend of July the 23rd for San Diego Comic-Con. And that will then premiere on Dial the Gates a few hours later. They have it They have it for themselves for about four or five hours and then releases it to us. So that's uh, that's what we've got all pan, uh, planned out here. That's everything that's going on. I appreciate everyone who's tuned in for this episode. S- thanks so much to Sharon Taylor for joining us. She's all, She was just terrific. Thanks to my production team, uh, my producer, Linda Fury, Gate Gabber, and my production assistant, Jennifer Kirby, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony, my moderating team. These are the people who make the live shows happen uh, week in and week out, and uh, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't do it without them at all. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gates. I appreciate you tuning in, and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thank you.